Welcome back to Two Crows Frightening Frowen. We have Lee. You have to say words. Amos. And Amos. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. No. <laughs> when I was doing our first one, I was like, oh, she waved but didn't say anything. And I'm like, oh, no, audio's not going to be able to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, I'm awkward like that. That's okay. We're both awkward. And I think they know that by now. <laughs> yep. Uh, and if they didn't, they do now. Yes. They um, they haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> Maybe they enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe they relate. I did not find any funny news for today. Because I was so focused on our story, which is the longest one yet. <laughs> I so I read an article and I I went over it in a podcast episode that's going to be coming up on on mine, but it's I I have to tell you because it is funny. Um, it's about the study and the science of what collects in our belly belly buttons and how the stuff gets there, and like scientists have like multiple scientists have have looked into this and like collected like lint from different people and looked at the shapes of the belly buttons and the type of hair around the belly button and stuff like that. And like, I was like, read, I was like, this is amazing. How this is, this is like this study. Right. <laughs> it's just like, I love it when like scientists do like they chase a curiosity that's very personal for them, you know? Um, because it's often very silly like that, and it's like, we don't need to know, and yet we need to know. We want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his face. Look at his Just like face. <laughs> oh, sorry for the glare on my glasses, guys. I don't have glassesusa.com uh, sponsoring me yet, so I don't have cool glasses that don't have glare. So, wink, wink. I want some of those. GlassesUSA.com. I, I got glare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring it. Bring on the sponsors. We need the, That's why I wore the glasses, just so they'd see me. Yeah. I mean, I, I like my glasses. They're from Sydney, but I'm sure, like, you know, there's some better glasses out there. Yeah, I think they have, like, hundreds and hundreds, like, I think 5,000 different types of glasses. And then you can get all the different coatings and stuff on them. And come on, guys. We'll yeah. buy them from you if you sponsor us. <laughs> At a discounted rate. <laughs> so that was our not sponsorship sponsorship. And <laughs> our please sponsor us sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. But no, I want to get in on that belly button lint um, thing and have them test mine because my belly button was like flat until I had my last surgery on my stomach and now I have an innie and I get like a mild amount of, of lint and yeah. it, it happens on occasion and I wonder how it gets there. My belly button is different than it was. I used to have more of a flat one mm -hmm. with just a slight indent mm -hmm. and now it's not in any any but yeah. it's a little deeper than it used to be um i haven't started collecting lint yet but the study did say that like certain types of if you wear certain types of materials you're more likely to get lint and i don't wear those type of materials like i wear pure cotton and um linen 
so I don't get like the fuzzy stuff, um, and that will you're more likely to get it if you, you wear fuzzy stuff or fuzzy blankets or, or whatever. But also like I have like I don't really have any. I just have peach fuzz, and I hair don't have helps hair, really. bring it bring it in there, and I don't really have a whole lot going on there. No, I'm thinking about it. It's usually when I'm wearing a lot of my cosplays that I'll get stuff in my belly button, and a lot of those are very fuzzy. So that makes sense. Yeah. My other yeah, clothes make sense. aren't because, like, one, the sensory issues. Like, I have to have certain material types of materials. And uh, two, the types of materials in general that cause me to have issues. I find some materials actually hold laundry detergent in them. And those I can't do because even the, like, allergy sensitive laundry detergents my uh, body can't do a lot of it and so I need yeah. to do like arm and hammer with just a little bit in the water <laughs> yeah I use uh, Charlie's soap which we're not sponsored for them either yeah, but I would Charlie. love to be because I fucking love their stuff <laughs> F-bomb love their stuff and um, like I used a household cleaner I used the, the laundry soap I got into it in 2007 because uh, I I started having really bad allergic reactions using a shared washer and um, started learning about like how bad detergents are for the environment and our skin. And uh, Charlie's soap is very popular in the cloth diaper circle. Oh. And if, if the mommies like it, and the babies, it's going to be good. And the babies yeah. do well with it. Yeah. That, yeah. I'll and look the, into that. And then their household cleaner is... There's no real smell to it. It um, it degreases like you you basically buy like a a bottle and then you add water and mm -hmm. and dilute it to the strength of what you so you can like decrease the chain with it full strength. You can wash your dog with it. It's that safe, you know. Like so that's like pretty much all I use. And uh... sorry, Amos <laughs> is, has my heart right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's uh I love that stuff. It's like I have like very specific things and I will be devastated if they ever like go away because I'm like what am I going to use instead my skin is so sensitive yeah even when I made my own like the stuff that th you have to put into it to make your own it I still had reactions to it and a lot of people in like, yeah. the crunchy community all like told me to use this stuff and I still couldn't um arm and hammer and then the, the there's a baby one that I can use and I still have to use like half the amount um yeah and then for, like, deodorant and stuff, I found that I can use Native and... Is it Lume? I, yeah, I say Lume, but, yeah, I use I use Lume, and it's I've been pretty okay with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, even It has more smell than I like, um, but the scentless There's stuff scent has free. even more smell. Yeah, it's it smells even more. Oh, than I don't have that stuff. one, so... <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, it but, um... Smell. Yeah, it's a lie. At least with my nose, because I have, like, a super nose. But, um, yeah, the Lumi is good. I haven't tried the other one, but I, I just, once I found something yeah. I didn't react to, I, like... And then I use Cetaphil. I've been using Cetaphil since I was, like, 20 for soap. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not soap. And then I just started using the baby Cetaphil um, shampoo for my scalp, because I, I, like, have endless issues with my scalp because of the mast cell stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've been, like... I'll find something like I was using um what's that brand that's like I don't Jennifer like one of those actresses. Oh yeah, like, she's like Alba, Alba yeah. or 
something and it, it's honest the honest brand. yeah that one um and i was doing okay with it and then i started having issues um and so i just switched to the cetaphil baby shampoo and wash and i like i can wear my headset i'm not hurting Yay. it's like the first time in like five years that i haven't had like excruciating pain when i have something on my scalp so that's awesome um, i switched i hope it um I switched to the native shampoo and conditioner because um, I was having issues. My body, like, starts having issues with things it didn't for a long time. Um, but I was using another one from Whole Foods that was, like, an oatmeal-based one. Uh, and I started having issues with that. I switched to native about a year and a half ago, and I haven't had any issues so and I switched so I switched everything I did deodorant um, shampoo conditioner and body wash and I haven't had any issues but the kids keep stealing it and it's not cheap yeah (laughs) but the scents smell good and like I usually can't do any scents and there I can do theirs nice yeah that was so I was surprised with the Lume stuff the scent stuff doesn't bother me but I'm okay with like um good quality like essential oils mm-hmm. I usually am okay with those as long as I'm not allergic to the thing that the oils the carrier from. yeah yeah so those I hate perfumes and stuff I will like my face starts getting puffy and I'll walk past somebody that uses like Tide or whatever in like Costco and like my nose will start running I start coughing and it's awful like I just I don't even even with like the masks on the masks help a little bit but I still I just hate going in public because people smell. They do smell. Like just, they just smell, and it's not the it's not bo smell. It's I'd rather like, your bo. Yeah, they're all wearing perfume like they live in the era when people showered once a year, like or bathed once a year. You know, like dude, you take showers, you don't need that. And it actually messes up your attraction to people because your genetic attraction to somebody else has a lot to do with their sense. And so Mm -hmm. when you're not smelling their actual natural sense, you may have ugly babies because you're not actually genetically compatible to have good babies. Yeah. So dude, the smell, like the smell of a person when they smell right. I want to yeah, bury my nose in your armpit. I'll, like, steal their clothes just so I can wrap my face in it. Don't wash know? it. <laughs> yeah. So my my ex had, like, the almost no smell. Mm-hmm. Like, it was perfect. It was, like, just, like, recognizable but almost no noticeable smell, which to me means we were, like, in sync in terms of, like, our bacteria and all that stuff, like. And um, and I loved it because it was I could recognize him, but I didn't I didn't feel overwhelmed by any sort of scent or whatever. That's amazing. You know? Yeah, it's rare. It's rare. Most people, I'm like, my teenagers you know, are gross. <laughs> yeah. I my my son is an adult, and he's still got a little bit going on sometimes, and you know, I like adore him, but he'll go to hug me, and I'm like. I don't know what's happening there. Drink, drink more water? Maybe, <laughs> or maybe it's like us, and and like that they don't smell it, it into is. us because they're our offspring. <laughs> yeah, and I I usually assume it's me just because I have such a sensitive nose and I smell things that like I just walk into people's houses and I'll be like, oh, you need to wash your shower towel because that's mildew on it. 
you know, like, and I'll be at the front door and can just smell these things. I am and, very um, sensitive to mildew. Yeah. It, oh, God. I've had some horrific reactions to people's houses when they don't clean their, like, shower towel. Not shower towel, but shower mat mm-hmm. or whatever. Because um, that's, like, a blind spot for a lot of people. And just, like, I'll know when people have leaks underneath their kitchen sinks because I'll know the smell. You know, and I can't leave it alone. I If I walked in your house and something didn't smell right, you would have to deal with me walking around being like, that's okay. I'll well, make I you come it. over to find what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so and I always, when people come over to my house, they're always like, your house like has no smell. And I'm like, yes. I work hard on that. It's the neutral is very important to me. My last house had a smell because there was mold in it and it was embarrassing. People came over and they're like, why does your house have a smell? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't get rid of it. <laughs> I, I love that people come into my house and they're like, oh, you have cats? I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. You can smell them. <laughs> yeah. Which also, pretty oh, litter does not sponsor us either. So, yeah. I get like Dr. Elsie's <laughs> cat litter. That's mine. And we, I'm open to either one for sponsors. <laughs> I've, I've had pretty litter because it'll tell you if your cats have like crystals in their pee, like your, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Rago roommate's cat. Yeah. Um, and it'll tell you different things. So, like, the bag has different colors that the crystals will turn if um, – and there's no dust either. And um, whatever the crystals are made out of is actually, like, super safe. And so there's not a lot of, like, issues anyone's had with it. And if you don't like it, they'll let you, like, have it for free and never buy it again. <laughs> nice. That's nice. So sponsor us. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I looked at their stuff for a while, but um, I don't, I'm not worried about it with, because I have a, a low stress cat and mm-hmm. I just feed raw food and, you know, like diet is a big part of crystal formation uh, and stress is a big part. So I've got the diet covered and he's, he's a floppy flop. So Mine, uh, mine get into things. So I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like I might recommend it for, for Brago to my, my roommate. Because then, then he'll know when there's an issue and it starts so that before the cat may yeah. even know that it started. Yeah. Because I'm, like, really sensitive. I pick up on, like, behavior and pattern changes. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. And that's why, like, it got so bad those times. He didn't recognize, you know, that the the pee, the pee piles had gotten smaller because he was irritated and going more often and stuff. Oh, baby. Yeah. So, like, having, like, a, a visual... Uh, hopefully I will remember at the end of this to text that to him. Yes. I'll try to remember <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'll remember when I watch this later. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you want to get into this crazy story? It was supposed to be... So it was between this one and the one we did last week that were going to be my first episode. Um, I decided not to do this one as the first one because I wanted to do a powerful woman who was good (laughs) and this one's kind of a vigilante of sorts (laughs) (laughs) and mind you the most so if everything in this is true because I mean it was in the 17th century but if everything in this is true she is the most successful serial killer slash vigilante hero that has ever existed (laughs) So we're going into hero uh, 
uh, territory here now, right? I would assume I I would call her a hero. Others would call her a villain. Uh, I, in my heart of hearts, believe that she did the best she could at the time for what was available to women at the time. <laughs> I, I, I can kind of feel the vibe where this is going. All right. <laughs> So I have it on. I have it here so that I don't have to put it over my face this time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Our first video recording. I think I mentioned it in the last one to you guys. Uh, we had a scrap because I put my notes over my face and was screen recording. <laughs> and I didn't even like you mentioned it, and it did not. It didn't. And neither of us register about at all. It. <laughs> yeah, we were too excited. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So. If you guys follow and watch Bailey Sarian, you may have heard of this person because she did a ton of research, which is where I got a lot of mine from. Uh, there's not a lot on this person because it's the 17th century and there were witch hunts going on. And according to the people at the time, she was evil and a witch and satanic and whatever uh, when they went to do her story and her everything that goes down. But she did a ton of digging. I went through her resources. I went through some other resources and she pretty much had everything from the story in her podcast. But I did have a little bit more to add and change to that I found myself. And I went through the resources to get the story together and it took me a while and it was really fun because <laughs> this person is insanely amazing <laughs> okay so her name's uh julia tofana and her early life is a pretty big mystery because she wasn't of any importance back then to anybody and was a woman so there's not a lot on her as a child and growing up and there wasn't a lot of records afterwards that they talked to family or anything like that. Uh, they kind of just did their thing and, and let it be. Uh, so um, there aren't even known surviving portraits of her. So we do not even know exactly what she looks like. But a lot of people that talked about her after everything went down and the notes and journals that we have say that she was very beautiful. So we do know that at least. <laughs> we don't know what that means for the time because they had weird beauty standards. But she's thought to be the daughter of Thofania. I don't know how to pronounce this name. Thofania. O, o with a B? T H O F A N I A. Thofania. Odamo. Who was executed herself in July of 1633. Thofania Odamo. I just needed to say yeah, it. Yeah, say it. Go for it. Shout it. Thofania Odamo. It's just got a good, like, mouth feel, you know? It changes her name to video. <laughs> For anyone who is hearing impaired, that is not her name. Video is not her name. <laughs> okay. Uh, so she murdered her husband, which kind of plays into the future. And I think 
the daughter kind of played on that. There isn't any reason in history of why she killed her husband or how she killed her husband, but I have a theory that he was probably abusive and she most likely poisoned him. <laughs> and Statistically very likely. Very likely <laughs> based on the rest of the story. <laughs> Uh, they the records show earliest that uh, Julia was in Palomero, Italy. Palermo, Palermo, Italy. Palermo. You can yell at me for any mispronunciations and let me know what I say wrong in the comments, guys. <laughs> I will. It will never be me doing the yelling because I know what words look like. I don't know what they sound like. <laughs> <laughs> And Bailey Sarian does not say things right, so I don't know if they're right. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, into Julia. This is a little overview of what she's known for. She killed hundreds of men in the 17th century. Under the front of her makeup business, she created her infamous poison named Aqua Tafana. (laughs) Say it, say it. Aquatafana. Uh, Aquatafana. Aquatafana. <laughs> and the, the main ingredients were arsenic, lead, and belladonna. And these are the agents that together would be very lethal to somebody ingesting even a small amount. Aquatafana. Aquatafana. <laughs> you sounded a lot sexier when you did that than I did. <laughs> I didn't even know if you'd be able to hear it. <laughs> okay, so belladonna, because it's not used very much today, is a berry juice that was used in Italy by women in their eyes to dilate them to make them appear more striking and was a hot beauty item. <laughs> so, a, so it was a beauty item to make yourself look high as fuck. Dilated pupils were the equivalent to floof lashes today. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I guess, like, because, you know, when people get excited, their eyes briefly dilate. So maybe that kind of, like, tied into that. But, like... Oh, you're right. Because when you see someone that you find really attractive, your eyes dilate for a minute or a second. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're scared. So... So the, these women were walking around, like, either, well, based on our current association, they would just look really high, but, like, they might have just looked terrified, and that, that did it for the guys. Yeah. What I wrote yeah. in here was, not sure if men liked it, but women sure seemed to love it on themselves, and the confidence <laughs> is sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, if it made them happy. <laughs> I was like, it's funny how the fads of beauty change so much. I just... Oh, I just saw a comment on someone's video who had dilated pupils in their video. And the comment section was full of people asking what drugs they were on. (laughs) (laughs) Just like comment after comment. Oh, you look messed up. Yep. (laughs) She would have been beautiful in the 17th century. (laughs) She would have been like, just like, I don't know, with the cutting edge of style and and beauty and and Mm -hmm. alluringness. Alluring, allure. I don't. I think it would be just the the allure, allure, allure. The allure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> so I also wrote, so when I was a kid, I was made fun of for a lot of things that now are beauty standards. So I had reddish hair, freckles, including lip liner of freckles, just natural liner. I had two different colored eyes and nowadays, and really pale skin, if you can't tell. And nowadays, those are all beauty standards. <laughs> like, there's things people <laughs> surgically do or tattoo on themselves or dye their hair to have. And I was made fun of relentlessly for them as a child. Yeah. I, it was just my build. And now my, my build is more popular. But, you know, like, because it was, like, very lean and sort of flat bodies that were only round in certain spots. And now okay to be round in lots of spots and I'm super round everywhere so yep and now that's now that is in though being round yeah it's a very it's very interesting because I like I really I love seeing the, the confidence in younger people who got to grow up seeing that be socially acceptable whereas like I grew up I have all that programming that it's bad and so you know I like I'm like ooh, I'm so happy that they get to have that like that experience of feeling good in their skin and being like, yeah. Yeah, I agree, because they're not... You're right, because even though times have changed now and it is acceptable and bodies are beautiful and they're celebrated and we see models of all different body types and ages now, where before it was like you had to be young, which how do you keep that? You had to be young, yeah. um, you had to have a certain type of thin. It was not too thin, it was thin in the middle with like that 36 24 36 yeah well and that was a little bit later for me because i'm like mm -hmm. what, like 10 10 plus years older than you so for me there was like the um it was there was you the, the 36 24 36 was not they hadn't it was bo Derek body it was mm. very lean barbie body basically. yeah so it, yeah so that's what i was programmed with which like that's not even, there's not even 1% of the population that has the right build to look that way. No, no. And a lot of those people are, have to be surgically altered to look that way because it's not natural to have that body type and the same assets that are there. Yeah. 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 And who has pointy boobs? Okay. I don't know. Oh man, don't even get me started on the whole boob thing. And like, I went to the doctor because I thought there was something wrong with my boobs because I I never saw puffy nipples and uh, it, nipples that are not hard because mm -hmm. in TV they always ice them up, right? Mm -hmm. They don't do they don't do that as much anymore, which is great. But when I was a kid, like at Terminator Two, dude, they iced her up good, or Terminator One, sorry, um, and like I thought that's what they're supposed to look like. So I went to the doctor and went what's wrong with these it's just like they're normal and i'm like what do you mean i mean that like the, mm -hmm. the power of media right there <laughs> I, you're not alone i can tell you you are not alone <laughs> oh gosh it's so true um oh yeah that uh, i'll just skip that part um <laughs> we don't need to talk about my feet okay <laughs> what Okay, no. Don't judge Back how up. I make my money, okay? <laughs> I, I, wanted, I, we need, I need to know now, so you gotta go back. Oh, I just said that I was made fun of for my, like, long feet and toes, and now it's, like, in oh. to have, like, different types of feet for, like, foot fetishes. 
Yeah. I keep trying to figure out how to tap into that, but, you know, it hasn't worked yet. It's oversaturated now, I think. Although they are always looking for new feet. So if they know you don't do it yet, and then they get you to do it, then you may have people. Hmm. So... (laughs) It's just getting them in there by posting, like, kind of oblivious things. Like, I didn't mean for it to be a foot thing. Uh, (laughs) Like, for me, it's my stomping videos. I did not know that was a fetish. And I yeah, just, that's that's an interesting one. I love stomping on things, and someone paid me two hundred and fifty dollars to stomp on a TV that was broken, and I was already going to get rid of it. <laughs> I would do that so because, I, like, yeah. I would do that without getting paid. And then someone was sending was paying me twenty five dollars a video to send them videos of me stomping on like cans and stomping on like just different things that were normal <laughs> to stomp. Like I was going to stomp on them anyway. <laughs> I had like this artsy fartsy idea of um, doing jello and I wanted to do like slow mo videos of the jello, but I wanted to do like videos of me stepping in the jello. Yeah. And I got this idea before any sort of like foot fetish like knowledge. And then, and then it was like, I haven't done it yet. And now I'm like, been, like, can I mark it now? Yeah, you can. Like- <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back into makeup. Um, makeup then was had a lot of lead and arsenic in powder makeups as well as liquids so if you're putting it on your face most likely it had arsenic and lead in it and that was to lighten your complexion and make you look sickly wow (laughs) like me that's so scary i feel like i was the beauty standard back then (laughs) (laughs) you would have had all the suitors down like around the block like Ask you for your hand without getting to know you. Although <laughs> they were on witch hunts, so I'm not sure I would have lasted very long. <laughs> Although I doubt yeah. real witches ever really got caught. It was the people who they just didn't like and called witches. The, like the feminists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We practice in the shadows. You would never know. Uh, So the Renaissance was a complete cesspool of death traps in that day in life. And so she was able to kind of fly under the radar with what she was doing because people were dying left and right anyways. And she knew that if she did it in a certain way, that she could make it just seem like some of the normal people just dying of illnesses that we can cure today. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, remember, this is the 17th century, and women did not get to choose their husbands or decide whether or not they wanted to be married in the first place. Men didn't really even get to choose either. It's their families that did. But at least they got to control the families, the finances, the wealth, where they lived, everything. Uh, But they didn't get to choose who their wife was. But they did choose when they had children, or at least tried to, and they chose everything else. So I don't really feel too bad for them not choosing their wife. No. <laughs> uh, so the parents typically arranged marriages uh, to have a stronger business tie with another family or a position of power. Women had zero control over how the family was run, finances, when they would have children. Yes, rape wasn't rape in marriages. And it was your responsibility to provide family members (laughs) and 
like maternal mortality or more more morbidity yeah, was extremely high like dying in childbirth was pretty much a day-to-day thing in society especially with how many children they were expected to have and then yeah. they needed to have even more children than they wanted to have because the infant uh, death rate die. was extremely high so they needed to have yeah. more children with the assumption some of them would die it's uh it's actually that whole like area of medicine like you know like shifted in the the early uh 1900s and we start started seeing like you know especially with like uh the polio vaccine and stuff like that just seeing uh kids living longer where suddenly you didn't have to have like 10 kids just so the three would survive and um that like has been a change that there are people alive who witness that change mm-hmm. it's very very new for us as as a like it's weird because it like turned into a whole like be independent and don't live at home thing and anti-family and blah 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 very quickly like we shifted you know and uh yeah anyway i'm rambling but no no it's true yeah uh we've seen it in our lifetime and we've tried to fix it and then it gets unfixed with other things the u.s right now is one of the highest for maternal and infant death rates because of our overturn of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And, the, yeah, we talked about with the Victoria how pro-life can be used in a positive way, and this is not a positive way <laughs> to do it. Right. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> we'll get too political on you here, but... Uh, but abuse in relationships also was only wrong if the woman was abusing the man. It was not illegal for the husband to um, subdue his wife <laughs> yeah, and make her uh, submissive. Which is why poison was such a popular option. Yeah, it was expected if she stepped out of line or stepped outside of her role as wife and mother... There were no laws or authorities to protect these women, and it was the it was the known and expected life for them. Physical abuse was rampant among families. This was seen through every level or status in society. So from the top to the bottom, women in every status were being abused in possibly different ways, but they women who were more from more wealthy families were seen as like a higher commodity and had to act even I guess as like a more expensive woman (laughs) and be um, like they paid more for her so she needs to act a certain way and she's expected to and they could be executed if they weren't and we saw that like through history there was a lot of women executed (laughs) because there's a really great book on that on about basically how royalty and stuff of women just were not allowed to be people and um it's called sex with a queen and it talks about the few of them that actually did get to sort of flex and be like people but uh it does cover uh really well like basically because like we have this like we romanticize like princesses and stuff and like nobody would want to be a princess you don't get to have a life you don't get to be a person you are obligated to the role that you were born into 
and have no say or choice or whatever. And so it's really weird that we have this whole like fantasy thing that we feed our kids about something that, you know, maybe the last couple generations in the UK, they have a different experience of it. But before that, you know, no. And you see it even now though, in their family, Uh, if the woman doesn't act right or isn't what they expect her to be, that they're pretty exiled from the family as well. Uh, And that, and the princes can go off to Vegas and do all the crazy things they want to do, but they're welcomed back into the family as soon as they come back. They're just boys. I mean, they always had (laughs) concubines and crap anyway, so I guess you can't really say Vegas is much different. Nope. (laughs) And drinking and drugs was always part of royalty, and it was seen as a status symbol. Whew. (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't a woman in those times. I know, right? When people are like, oh, do you want to time travel? I'm like, only to the future because I want to see what happens next. I would not go into the past, any era. Like, Like fashion is one thing. And when I feel like that's what people think of when they think of different periods of time is the fashion and the like scenery and the way the um, architecture and things like that. But they're not thinking of actual society and laws and what was going on at the time. And the lack of antibiotics or like, yeah. (laughs) People dying of bladder infections. Right. (laughs) I'd be dead right now. Uh, Okay. So now I hear the groans of the just leave him crowd because that's what we hear even now today. And it's not even easy to leave them now today if they're abusive. Right. Divorce was not a thing. (laughs) You could not get divorced. And even if they could, women were not allowed to go to court. Women, women were not allowed to represent themselves for anything. And they could not uh, initiate anything to do with law. So there was nothing. Like, they would have to have a man go to court for them and speak for them and file everything for them if anything happened to a woman. So they're not getting divorced. <laughs> it's not a thing. And if they run and they leave and they're found, they can be executed. Yeah. So women aren't people. Mm-mm. <laughs> so yeah, leaving your husband was not a card they could play. Uh, this was uh, this is what gave Julia an idea <laughs> for a way to help these women. Uh, Julia had a heart for these women, and I have a feeling it had a lot to do with her mother. And that her mother was stuck in a situation that she witnessed. There's no proof of that, but for her to be so gung-ho on helping these people, I can't imagine another reason why. Yeah. Pattern of human behavior tends not to stray. Yeah. Women this time only had a few options to make money on their own. Um, They could get married, which isn't really making it on your own. And if their husbands died they could be left in a state and finances, but they'd have to have a male oversee those things, but they could at least maintain them. Uh, They could beg. They could uh, be sex workers, which was dangerous then, but also was a status symbol in and of itself, a little different than today. And, or they could sell products that they made themselves. And so that's what Julia decided to do. 
Uh, she dove into the world of apothecaries. Actually, I love that word. I want an apothecary. <laughs> Get some of my meds from a place called Apothecary Option. Oh, they kept it. <laughs> uh, which back then were pharmacists uh, selling medicines which pharmacists back then could make the medicines and could even prescribe them. You would, didn't have to go to a doctor, which is how it is in other countries, mind you. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have this in my script. When I was in Paris and I got a bladder infection, like one does on vacation, <laughs> I went to the pharmacy and I told them, I know I have a bladder infection. And they believed me <laughs> because we know. <laughs> and they mixed up just like an apothecary they mixed up herbs together they put it in a tincture i still have the bottle and they gave it to me and they also gave me some uh like gel pills that would numb my bladder and it did not turn my pee orange or red guys really oh wait i bet oh i'm like let's see sorry my brain just i know the word or what they probably use because i used to work with an herbalist when yeah. i was younger and um I had a doctor who would do both, mm-hmm. like herbal, and then like if that didn't work, then and uh, it was like marshmallow root or Uber that was Ursi. in there. Marshmallow was yeah. in there. Uh, it was a mixture Uber of things. Ursi's another one, and it yeah. tasted good. And, yeah, <laughs> and that, they just had me put it under my tongue, um, like three times a day, and I felt better with it, like in less than a day. I took all of it, like you're supposed to, but I didn't have yeah. to take antibiotics. Like, obviously, there was antibiotic properties in what they made, but it, I felt better, like, immediately, and I was able to go and walk all the way up that Eiffel Tower. That's cool. When I was in Singapore, it was, like, there's certain things you go to the doctor for, and there's other things you, like, buy. Like, um, at the time, we didn't even have this available in the U.S. at all. You couldn't even get it as a prescription, which was a topical insane. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, like, I brought extra back with me helped my wrist pain so much and the stuff that we have here that's prescription doesn't work the way the stuff did that i got over there so i don't even bother with it there's but no reason it was just cool it's and a i spent 11 doctors 11 dollars at the doctor like to see a doctor yeah. get a prescription and all that it was like 11 bucks and i didn't have to use insurance or anything i was just like yeah when well, i when i was know. in paris it was like 28 dollars for both the medications and to consult with the pharmacist and they believed me. They got me the medication. I got better. I, yeah. I don't know why that's not the way it is here. Like, it, <laughs> we know when we have Money. an infection, okay? <laughs> right. Money. I know I love going to the doctor and they're like, you don't have an infection. Uh, the test was normal. And I was like, yeah, except that false positives are actually really common. Well, and then viral load isn't yeah. that high. And then they test it later and they test it the more strong, like, strong way. And then it's positive they call you back two days later (laughs) yeah and they were like in that case they refused to do it and it went to my and then i i just went to the hospital instead and was like this is what happened and they were like oh yeah here you go it's ridiculous sounds like my experience at the hospital here (laughs) the other day yeah i called their supervisor yesterday and told her what happened because i don't know if i talked about it on our other video or if it even happened yet when we've recorded but I went to the hospital guys I know I'm I'm rabbit trailing here but they basically told me nothing was wrong with me and I'm chronic so they can't fix me 
So they sent me home with nothing. And I went to another hospital a couple days later and I had a horrible kidney infection, kidney stones. Um, my, my esophagus was bleeding, my stomach was bleeding. I had esophagitis. Uh, I had a cyst that had just ruptured near my stomach. <laughs> and this is just what they found while I was in there. And then they kept calling me with more stuff going on, um, more things I'm deficient in that my body's just not absorbing. And then they got me in sooner with my GI. So I'm gonna be seen five days sooner now. <laughs> Hey, five days is no. I was so thankful. Yeah, I when when how far out is that? Sep- like... September seventh. So, it's still a few a couple weeks away, but because uh, we're recording, on I the waited 16th. a year to see my GI. So yeah, I've been waiting. I made an appointment originally in last in February, and the appointment wasn't until September nineteenth at the other hospital and then I got into Mayo and they were able to schedule me in September as well and now it's September 7th so I'm glad it's sooner but still that's since February that's a long it's a long wait that's not how long I've waited at Mayo that was how long I was waiting in Colorado but yeah. uh, Mayo was only like a two month wait where Colorado obviously that was a whatever month wait a ridiculous wait yeah, I'm waiting like 14 months to see a uh, rheumatologist because they think I have rheumatoid arth- arthritis. And I'm like, oh, so I'm going to wait 14 months for a progressive? Yep, yep. And same with this. Like, it's only getting worse. Yeah. And they're, ca- they're thought as the cause to why my vagus nerve being crushed, there's less likely a chance you can fix it the longer you wait. So, yeah. um, Part of the consultation will be whether or not I have to get a G-tube um, or if they're going to attempt the surgery on my neck to fix it. So it depends on what's better or a feeding tube that bypasses my stomach. So those are the options that we're going to discuss, which is really fun. And I'm allergic that's to exciting. adhesive. So that's going to be really yeah. fun on my face or around the stoma. <laughs> Either yeah. way. They, they threatened me with the tube when I wasn't able to eat, but... Um, I finally got to the point that I could get enough in that I was I still had malnutrition, but I was at least eating. They went, oh, we're not going to do that. And I was like, I kind of wish you would just for a while. Yeah. yeah. Like I'll, I'll handle the rash I get on my face if I can feel like I'm getting nutrients. I'm actually losing weight now. I wasn't before. I was like really bloated. And now a lot of that water weight is gone and my stomach is smaller and I've actually lost weight now. Um, which they said is common when you first start starving to like start to like try to save everything. Yeah. But now I'm past that point. Now my body's eating what it's stored. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I lost uh, 60 pounds in under three months. Jeez. I hope they were I like my doctor. My doctor was like, I'm not concerned because you still have padding and refused to do the blood work. To, and That's so I went hospital. to the allergist. Yeah, and, they, and the allergist took one look at me and was like we're gonna do blood work did your primary do and I'm like no she told me that she wasn't worried about it because I have enough fat and he was like what that's not how that works obviously you're losing muscle so they did the blood work found that I had the malnutrition and and my the allergist helped me because they my primary wouldn't um when they were reviewing at the the mayo reviewing my blood work uh, a lot of the proteins and stuff that they were finding in my blood are from malnutrition, from my muscles being eaten. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense, actually, why those levels were high. 
because uh, it's being absorbed into my bloodstream from my muscles. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> okay, back to Julia. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, so, Julia, where was I at? Um, oh, yeah, so she dove into the world of apothecary. So she started uh, just mixing her own and learning from the people at the, the clinics. And they were teaching her very gladly. She already had some knowledge from her mother. And some people think that she learned to make poisons from her mom. And some people think it was from this. I think it was a mixture of the two. Uh, she got really, really good at it. Uh, just mixing different things, discovering them, making things more potent and work better as far as medicine. But then she really liked poisons. <laughs> <laughs> and she discovered a poison that was clear, odorless, tasteless, and you only needed about four to six drops to kill a grown man. And she named this Aquatafana. 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 She marketed it as a woman's cosmetic product, and the bottle looked like so, such. And I will post pictures of the bottles on the Instagram as well as the... I made a Twitter, guys. I made a Twitter. Lee made me do it. I did. <laughs> I don't know how to twit, but you guys can help me. I guess it's called X now, but we Twitter, we all know what... We all know, yeah. Uh, so, do you know if the image for is uh like uh copyrighted or something because i'm so thinking like the bottles are from the 17th century uh they are not copyrighted and these are actual bottles that lasted through time and they're in museums so no nice. um, I, I was just thinking it would be cool to have like either use the bottle or like if there was any artwork on the bottle and then have it say the name of it and then just do some like mugs Oh, yeah. Aqua Tafana is not um, copyrighted. So, yeah. Uh, Bailey Sarian has some. We could have some, too. <laughs> Buy them both, okay, guys? I'm not stealing from her. <laughs> Do it. She did a lot of work for all of us to know this information. Uh, so, yeah, she marketed it as a cosmetic product. Uh, for some women, though, that were not allowed to wear makeup, she didn't want them left out either because religion was very big back then. She marketed them as a religious healing oil, which there's bottles of this too left. <laughs> uh, depending on the type of environment the husband allowed the woman to be in. Uh, so this was considering, yeah, some women weren't allowed to wear makeup. They would not be suspected of having contraband in their home. And it looked like a religious little bottle that you would have like tears of mary in and this one was called i think i have it in here later of what she actually called it but it was very clever um okay so she began marketing and selling it along with her daughter through the makeup business they started it blends in with their other beauty items so they sold legit makeup products and she was really good at making those too and very successful with just makeup in general so um, she she was married and then had just a daughter, or according to what we can find, we do not see a husband's name anywhere. But I would assume she was married. 
at some point, and he may have died, but that's not in any records. <laughs> Only her and her daughter are in the records, so it's very unclear if she was ever married. But yeah, she has a daughter, and the daughter works with her the whole time through this company and helps her. Uh, there's not a lot of information on the daughter. I don't even know if we have her name. But uh, I don't even think her name is in the records. But, yeah, the daughter helps the whole time and has a heart for it as well. So, And she has other employees eventually, too, that help her. <laughs> and they are, end up working out of three cities in Italy. Uh, she had different forms. Some were mixed with powders and others were uh, like foundation setting powder. And others were disguised as a vial of like drops for your face at night to make you beautiful and then here's the name of the spiritual one they were vials labeled manna of saint nicholas of berry the healing ointment <laughs> for the religious wives <laughs> and yeah julia had a bleeding heart for these women stuck in these abusive marriages with seemingly no escape she became known to befriend troubled wives, and through word of mouth, more and more of these wives found themselves at Julia's makeup counter to be vetted for a quick and discreet solution to their marital problems. Um, part of the success of it was that it was nearly impossible to detect the uh, poison, and it took time for it to work in its victim and progressed. So it wasn't like they just got really ill and died. It was like a progressive illness. <clears throat> and it started out as like a cold. And then the cold would get worse. And then it was like the flu. And then they got worse and died. And a lot of people died of the flu back then. So it wasn't a yeah. weird thing. And it didn't mimic any sort of other poison that they had back then. And the way that she administered it and the way she diluted it and uh, the progression of it, no one would know. And it was not detectable at that time through any sort of science or medical uh, post-mortem proceedings. Yeah. Um, guessing we would have tests for that now. Yes, we would know now. All of these things are testable now. <laughs> uh, also, the poison killing so slowly and leading the men to realize they were sick long before they passed, they would make sure their affairs were in order and make sure that their homes were also in order before they kicked the bucket. Uh, with religious wives, it was also important that they had this time for their husbands to admit their wrongdoings and be able to go to heaven and not sit in purgatory or the bad place. And so the wives <laughs> felt a little bit better about killing their husbands. <laughs> she began selling it in a more liquid form, which was those drops that took only four to six drops to kill a man. Most were four, but she always gave them six to be sure that it could do the job. Yeah. Uh, and it, like I said, was odorless and tasteless, so you could even put it in water and they wouldn't realize it. So the typical methods were wine, water, and soup that they would mix it in. The first dose would come on sometimes a day later and would, be, would mimic a cold, which would get worse after the second dose. 
The third dose would bring on a worsening flu-like illness. This would cause diarrhea, vomiting, dehydration, as well as a very painful abdomen. And I wonder if someone's giving this to me right now. (laughs) No! I'm being poisoned! Um, By the fourth dose, they would die. And if not, they just got worse and they gave them a couple more doses and they died. (laughs) Die. Um, Each dose was just a drop of the concoction. At most, it took six drops, and Julia would give them the whole do- whole six just in case, and that way they would also have some left over and have a little bit to leave on their counter and make sure that they never got rid of it before the husband body was taken away so that it wasn't just being found that they were in the garbage and stuff at everyone's home, that it would just look like an, a religious emblem or a beauty product on their desk so no one would think anything of it. Julia's clients were so thankful and they only recommended her to people they trusted and they knew needed the help they um, were very protective of julia so they did not want anything to happen to her they didn't want to recommend her to somebody who was going to end up telling on her or get it beaten out of them that this was going on or come clean to their husbands or get caught they wanted people that were going to actually follow through with it and needed her help And so she would actually vet them, their backgrounds, meet their friends, befriend their friends to learn more about these people before she ever agreed to do it. And then Julia successfully had her makeup counter for 50 years, find you. She was doing this. Wow. I think she started really young because her mom died when she was really young. So I think she had her daughter really young. And, oh, I just had a thought. Because when her mom died... I believe she already had her daughter and she was a teenager. I wonder if her dad had something to do with it. That's just in my head, okay, guys? Because <laughs> it never mentions a husband. Yeah. Um, or it seems like it would be really difficult to navigate the world at that time as a single parent without having the history of marriage. Though. Yeah. Like, and she, she ran like a successful business that franchised. But she would have had everything left to her from her dead father. True. And her mom was in... uh, As far as people think, her mom was also into apothecary. And so I think that that's how she got introduced to those people. And she was kind of raised around it after her mom died. And I think that's how she got into it from what we do know from her journals. So I think that that is probably what happened. But there's no history of what actually happened. (laughs) Yeah. But it wouldn't shock me if her father was the father. But yeah. different. It's a thing. It's more, yeah. more of a thing than. But yeah, through <laughs> the through those fifty years, uh, she had no suspicions. Nothing. No one even came to her questioning anything. But she got smarter and smarter as she went, just in case anything happened. Um, all of her ingredients that were in the poison are also found in makeup. So there is no r- real, like, odd reason she'd be buying those things. Uh, they were in other products that she had, including those eye drops. <laughs> I, like, I just, my brain is so, like, what, with the eye drops? And then what, I, ha- I can't help but wonder, what was the, like, was there, like, a really high rate of eye cancer later in life Probably. for, like, women then or something? I would assume so. <laughs> I'll have to look into that. Do they live long enough to have eye problems? Yeah, right? 
<laughs> well, they don't have to worry about getting old and feeling feeling unattractive in their age because they can live longer. <laughs> she she became really successful there in Palermo, where they were at, and she moved a second location to Nepal. And so she had employees, and so she had people running both counters and knowing how to make things at both places, which I have a theory about that later. Uh, so she moved her business to Nepal and then ended up moving her business again to Rome so she could help more women and had more employees. And I believe her employees were probably past clients. Probably. Because <laughs> that way they could make money and they would, were able to work. All of her employees seemed to be women from what I read. There'd be like a trust, a trust rapport there that... Mm-hmm. You go down, I go down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I go down, you go down. I think that works better. <laughs> Julia gave coaching to the women that she was helping of how to act as their husbands grew sicker and sicker before allowing them to have the poison. She wants um, there to be no reason for suspicion to fall on the wife. So this is part of what made her successful as well as her clients successful in not getting caught. They were told to call doctors to help their husbands' illnesses, and the doctors would mix medicines for the symptoms and give it to their husbands. Uh, They would call the doctors back again a couple of days later and be very attentive the whole time to their husbands' illnesses and begging the doctors to help them and wondering why it's not working. The doctors would be confused and provide more prescriptions. (laughs) Probably bleeding and... Yeah. Other weird things that happened then. Yes. Uh, bring on the leeches. Um. Yeah. <laughs> give, it, give them some mercury for good measure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think cocaine was around yet, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it was, give them that too. Opium. Right. I think opium was around then. Yeah. Uh, and then once they died, they would demand a post-mortem examination of the body and want to know what was wrong and caused it. And all of this together made the women seem like attentive wives that were very sad. And then they, she also taught them how to behave after they passed away, during the funerals, and during everything else, and the mourning period, and exactly how to behave. And they would practice it before she ever gave them the poison. No, no, no skipping for joy. No. Just in your room. Put on some yeah. Elvis. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And then later on, she got even smarter with it and started putting cosmetic instructions on the bottles to make it seem even more like a beauty product. And again, the ingredients were all used in cosmetics at the time. So that's scary, but (laughs) (laughs) the women would not get rid of the bottles. They would leave them on their nightstands with instructions so it would never seem suspicious or noticeable to the authorities. And there would still be product left in them. So it was... Like, no, and you could even put it on your skin because it was all stuff that they had in their makeup. It's not good for you. But they could even be like, yeah, see, it's just my night stuff. I just put it on before bed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With all of the success for so long, sadly, things can't always stay good. I guess the saying is that all good things must come to an end. In the 1650s, a woman came to Julia to purchase the liquid, um... The, oh, sorry, to purchase the liquid escape 
(laughs) (laughs) And Julia trained her just like she did everyone else. She vetted her just like every other client. The lady had every intention of using it on her husband. She made him a bowl of soup and added two drops of aquatafana. As she sees her husband go to take a sip, she had a change of heart. She starts yelling and screaming at her husband to put the soup down. (laughs) It says this. And so after she had watched him take one or two sips, and he began attacking her and beating her, wondering why she's yelling at him and trying to take his food away. (laughs) (laughs) He beats her until she agrees to tell him and she confesses to him what she had tried to do. He's, he was furious with her and took her down to the authorities to confess to them what she had done. Immediately, they took her in to torture her and put her on torture devices until she admitted to everything and gave the names and locations of where she had received the product. And they killed her after she admitted to everything. What else are they going to do with her? I'm I'm surprised that she was able that it took so long for that to happen because that particular like no 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 we see it in TV all the time so you know there's kind of like this sense that like people are gonna check it out and uh, mm-hmm. I you know 50 years is a really long time when yeah. dealing with something that like like I can only imagine the amount of anxiety that those women felt when they were taking this this step to free themselves so and also i realized something looking at this at the timing of her death and the timing of her mom's death her mom was actually alive when she opened the beauty counter so she wasn't young when her mom died but she was young when she had her daughter and so i think that that she might have helped her mom killed her dad Yeah, looking at the dates now, I'm like, hmm, because she had it for 50 years. Uh, Yeah, so uh, Julia was actually warned by people that the authorities knew and that this was going on. And so she packed up her stuff. She knew she'd be killed and tortured. She knew there was no way around that if they caught her, no matter what, because of the witch hunts going on. So she ran to a church for sanctuary. And the church took her in. And then she had a was trying to plan what to do next where to go and how to escape from the church safely and uh yeah it, it didn't go well uh rumors started flying because they do and you know the game of banana phone uh, and it got all the way to the <laughs> fact yeah she she poisoned the water supply according to them and put spells on the water supply because she's a witch right evil Uh, So people were very angry, and they actually had a mob come to the church to find her because they found out she was there. I'm just imagining them with their pitchforks and their, like... Pitchforks, yeah. (laughs) The anger, the, 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 like, self-righteous anger faces, you know? Exactly, and I bet it was all (laughs) men and then their wives, like, on leashes behind them. Come on, you're coming with me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so they I'm get to give you show you what what happens when you stand exactly. up for yourself. This is <laughs> this is witchcraft if you try to kill me. Um, so 
So they went to the church. They demanded they release Julia, even though she was there under protection. So technically they didn't have to. But they threatened to burn the church down and destroy it if they did not release her. So they're like, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah. We can't have our church burned down. So they ended up taking her in and threat or horribly abusing her and torturing her, having her on all sorts of torture devices to get everything they could out of her. Um, she did confess to between 1633, which is after she actually started the business, um, to 1651, which is when she was caught. So it took a little while for them to get her. To killing over 600 men. And that it, it's thought to be a lot higher than that. Um, and her journals and her manifests and everything kind of confirm these numbers and the timing and everything. But it's thought to be a lot higher than that because uh, she started before 1633 killing people. So <laughs> she helped a lot of women. Yeah, that's, you know, it's like that's how the world was shaped like what what were you gonna do to, to get away from a nightmare basically yeah and there to these, me it seems totally reasonable ex <laughs> you exactly know? it does because these women a lot of them did not want to have babies they were terrified of getting pregnant because they would die like that's they were very likely to die the more babies they had the more likely they were to die and the more likely their baby was to die, too. And the husbands weren't seeing the babies as babies. They were, like, an uh, asset. Yeah. Depending, a different type of asset if it's a male or a female. And they just wanted more and more of them so that they could trade them off for status and have yeah. workers, depending on what type of field they were in or which level of society. Yeah, no doubt, like, the majority of those women were probably living in like fear of like the next punishment for just basically existing you know because it was just so normalized uh they found out that her daughter was helping her so they caught her daughter as well and tortured and killed her uh, they found out about some of her employees and tor either tortured them and killed them or they locked them up um, and then they found a bunch of her clients. Of course, she didn't have names for all the clients in her book because she didn't want people to know who they were. But she had her manifest from selling product, and it wasn't just Aquatafana, but it was mixed in with all of her other beauty products so that it wouldn't be known like that's what that was. So they were able to find a lot of them through figuring out who purchased the Aquatafana. And they either killed them for witchcraft as well, or murder, or they imprisoned them in the Palace of the Holy Office. <laughs> Sounds like a lovely place. I'd love to vacation there just, someday. <laughs> I just instantly got this, like, that all these prisoners go in there to be secretaries. That was what my brain did with the name of that. I am like, Jesus's secretary. <laughs> I was a bad girl. Forgive me, Father, for I have been naughty. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. 
so there were actually rumors throughout time that some of her employees continued making aqua tofana and passed it down and that women were still discreetly doing this while it was still untraceable and there is a famous person who believed that they were killed in this manner Mozart I was just going to say because it matches his symptoms so Mozart uh, was at the end of his life even said I believe I am the victim of Aquatofana And it could be true, because I don't believe they caught all of her employees, and they believed in what they were doing. And if they went under a different name, a different guise, they could easily do it under a different makeup company and continue doing the same thing. This is totally random, but, like, what if they turned into, like, a secret society and they still existed? I would love it. (laughs) That would be cool. Aqua Tafana. Aqua (laughs) Tafana. We are not part of that society. Mm. I wonder if you just heard my <laughs> neck crack in the microphone. Uh, <laughs> so back then, there was no way out for many of these women. And you can I'll leave it up to you guys of whether or not you think she was a villain or a hero. <laughs> I've made my stance pretty clear on that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, with the high mortality rates it just like I don't blame them at all for yeah. wanting to not have babies and not wanting to be yeah, raped not having, <laughs> yep not having autonomy and not being safe like it's unimaginable I mean abusive people are so creative sometimes and just it's unimaginable like what all those women were going through at that time and just throughout history And just how hard it is even today to leave. And we don't have a lot of those barriers. We have had, it's easier now, but the most dangerous time for anyone to leave an abusive situation is the, like, sorry, the most dangerous time in an abusive situation is leaving. And so people just saying, just leave, that you're telling them to make it worse. You're telling them, face that very scary thing. And and I'm not going to help you plan it. Just do it. (laughs) Do it. Yeah. You need a plan. I I know that when I left, there was nobody there. Like, I asked for help, and people didn't didn't help. Like, they kept saying, oh, it can't be that bad, and blah, 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 you know. I had the church telling me that I needed to try harder and just needed to be understanding and go to church more and pray more and pray for him and read the power of the praying wife book and do the love dare and all of that stuff and I'm like why is it me doing that why is it me you're talking to about this because I was the one wanting to leave and I'm like no he should be doing this to me to prove that he's changed but that he's not going to why isn't there there a book on how to not be a douche you know like how to treat your spouse as a person and not property and like doesn't ship his me one of my exes flat out told my mom and stepdad that it was my duty to pleasure him to te- to keep him from cheating that's yep. my my fault my response you're telling my parents that like if you are telling them that like can they imagine what's happening behind closed doors 
and they didn't believe me the things that I would say and I'm like he's flat out telling you this like <laughs> yeah make it work for the child yeah the, the bad one for me didn't he didn't tell people that but he told me that like, and I was just like no <laughs> you know which of course made it worse because I didn't I never I like have always been like where I argue stand up for myself I you know my parents were abusive and I would scream at them as they were coming in at me to hit me I'd just be like you know so for me like I didn't know I hadn't learned how to like back down and I didn't realize how much worse it was going to make things for myself um so I just be like no and then it made things a lot worse yeah you know it's terrible like it's, it's so frustrating that people don't see that because then they're like, why don't you fight back? Why don't you? It's because when we have, it's been worse. Yeah. And I've learned very, I learned growing up with abuse in my household to not speak out because of how worse it was and to be silent and to not have boundaries. And it was just the way that it was in each relationship with me never having learned those things like how to do those and be I guess healthy in a relationship and I hadn't seen a healthy relationship like close up I've seen it from afar at friends houses yeah. but not and part of me in my head was would think when I was at friends houses oh they're just putting on a show for me that's not how families actually are yeah I thought that too and the few times that I was around somebody enough to realize that they were really like that, it, like, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And having friends that are like that, and even as an adult now, I don't believe it all the time because you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And in my head, I think every relationship's horrible, but they're not. I know they're not in, like, my mind in a place in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if you haven't gotten to experience it, how can have the experience to draw from to be able to start to reshape your expectations you know and that's I mean that's why I like to be like the idea of being a relationship makes me feel so tired because to me like every relationship has been work where I lose my sense of self because I'm always doing all the caretaking all the mental labor and stuff like that and it just without your cup getting refilled yeah and just not getting the support back and so like without having had I know that relationships exist where people have partnerships and where there's give and take but I haven't experienced it and so I can't really imagine it in a way that feels real to me exactly and that's where I'm at too and the most I had in a relationship that was like very give and take on both sides (laughs) was a guy who died so and we weren't together that long so part of me in my head always thinks like well if we were together longer it would have changed but I I know he was a good guy like it's just the way my mind is programmed but he that was the only time because even in my best relationship that by best I mean least arguments and like fighting and all of that was my ex that we're still friends today and it wasn't a very romantic relationship it was more like best friend roommates that got married (laughs) yeah 
so it's I don't know like that even that was not healthy like that was not a what I needed and neither of us felt like we were getting our needs met and we didn't know how to express that or we didn't even know what our needs were (laughs) so we both grew up in very abusive situations it makes it so much harder when you're like I know I'm not getting what I need I don't actually know what I need and so I'm sorry that I can't like tell you mm-hmm. but then you know I like like my most recent one I my needs were not getting met there was no arguing or anything like that like he's very like passive and I'd always be like you know asking for his opinions on stuff because like the passivity makes me nervous mm-hmm. um, because I you know I know that people who are like very anxious and tend to be passive they're less likely to speak up even when they have a preference and like to me it's really important that both people are taking into consideration so I would be like well you have to decide if we're having this meat or that meat for dinner kind of thing Mm -hmm. but um there I mean there was no arguing and stuff and at first I thought that meant like a good thing but then over time I realized my needs weren't getting met and some of them I knew very specifically spell them out and then some of them i it was stuff I was hoping to get to learn through getting my needs, you know, exploring with somebody else. And um, I realized that there was just, there was just so much neglect. And that neglect is, you know, like, I think we've talked about that before, but like that, that neglect is a form of abuse of itself, mm-hmm. you know, but because I have this association of like abuse being aggressive and loud and triggering like the stress responses certain ways and stuff like I didn't recognize it for what it was um for a while you know and then now I've had to like incorporate this new understanding and have like a whole other thing to look out for you know exactly it's so true (laughs) and we don't see abuse in like on screen very much as anything other than loud and violent but abuse can very much be the silent treatment. It can be just not meeting your needs at all. I mean, we need to meet people, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, with the other person's love languages in mind. And not just love them in our way, but listen to what they need and not make excuses. When someone comes to you and says, my needs aren't being met, these are what the needs are that are being neglected us saying not not coming to them being but I did this this and this for you that mm-hmm. doesn't negate what I'm telling you right now and I can right. at a different time appreciate you for those things that you do but you're not meeting these needs and avoiding those and doing these things over here is not healthy there right. needs to be a balance and if you need to do less of those things in order to meet my needs here I'm okay with that cuz those things aren't as important to me yeah it doesn't, it doesn't count if you're doing what you do, want to do and what you're comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you're not doing the thing that was agreed upon and discussed, then you're not doing the thing. Yeah. Period. Like, yeah. And it's like, I'm such a helpful and like supportive person that like when I was like in a situation where like literally just not getting any of my needs met, I was like mind boggling because I would be like, here, let me explain to you what I mean and what can I do to help and all the stuff and like they just you know they just couldn't do it and um in that person's case it wasn't intentional that it wasn't that they didn't care they just their anxiety is so severe 
that they just were unable to, even though they were watching the relationship fall apart, it was easier for them to let bad things happen than to do the things that would stop the bad things from happening, which is like my brain, my anxiety works the opposite. My anxiety is like, do the thing, do the prevention, do the, you know, like do everything you possibly can to minimize these bad things happening. Um, And I got to, I got to learn about a whole other way of existing and thinking that I had never been exposed to. That just like, I kept banging my head and going, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like what is happening here? And then eventually it was like a, like a a special interest for me. I hyper-focused on this person's dysfunction because it made no sense, you know? And then accidentally stayed too long because I was trying to prevent, but I did, I did figure it out. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. That's what's hard. And I feel like I do the same thing you do because I often find myself giving them even like a script, like, Hey, in this situation, me hearing this from you, even if you can't do it right now, like do like, I'm not expecting you to right now while I'm telling you my needs, meet my needs. But if you say, yes, I want to do those and learn about those from you. I need to focus on this for right now, but can we make time for us to do that? Like, that's all I want. That's it. That's, yeah, that's the response. Exactly. <laughs> yep, and exactly. I'm not saying like, hey, you need to admit that you've been so horrible and like, I, I want to move forward and I want it to be better moving forward. I don't want to focus on the past and you're bringing it there and focusing yeah. on the past and why you didn't do it for so long. I want to focus on the future and how we can do it. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. That whole focusing on the past things like uh it's just like an avoidant. It's a way to avoid doing, you know. Thankfully I didn't deal with that in that in that relationship, but just like because I don't expect perfection, right? Like I'm like I I see like every new relationship, you come into it with like your baggage, you come into it with your understanding of language because we all understand language differently. And so when you form a relationship, romantic, friendship, whatever you are building a new language together so that you can like you know connect and mm-hmm. um so i see like relationships as this opportunity to grow and learn as a matter of fact if i'm in a relationship and i don't feel like i'm growing as a person anymore i leave i don't see relationships as being a forever thing i see them as being you know something that benefits both of us and if i'm not you know if i'm not sensing that then i'm like okay well I guess it's time to go. I've, you know, done my part, but like, you know, it's like if you ask for something, hey, can you incorporate this into your understanding of me so that uh, my needs will be met in this way? You know, uh, it's, we're going to learn how to do it together because it's not going to be the same every single time. And I think a lot of people like get into relationships and they treat the next person the same way that they treated the last person. Mm-hmm. And they don't really like, they're different get to people. Know. <laughs> Yeah, they don't really, they don't have, like, a unique experience with the next person, you know, um, because of, like, just, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's, like, a lack of presence or a lack of, like, really taking the time to think about it and be, like, okay, this is an individual experience, what can I take from it, or whatever it is, but it's, I, I've noticed it even as, like, getting older, it becomes more and more of an issue, like, people are more flexible when they're younger, and then older ones, it's, like, they just can't like function outside of the stereotypes that they've built for relationships and and I'm like you know literally blank slate you know let's let's uh get to know each other in context of one another yes which is why my favorite first date to do with people 
whether it's a friend date or a romantic date, it doesn't matter, is I love going to escape rooms with them because you learn so much about how they think and how you work together and how you can merge like your two ways of thinking together to get problem solved. And I, it's become my favorite thing to do on first dates with people. I've never, I've never done an escape room. I, I have shied away from them because on the spot thinking, I'm, like I, it, I get, I become like slow because I like have to analyze everything. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I always like worried that I wouldn't be able to participate well enough because, and it's possible once I was there, I would get into it. But like, I'm always like, if you ask me, what's your favorite, whatever, my brain goes. And then five minutes later, the answer comes. And so I kind of, well, we'll do it know. together and I won't judge you for it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> They're fun. Yeah. They're so fun. <laughs> I, I would be willing to try it with you. I, I feel like, you know, you would not judge me. No. And if you come here when my escape rooms are done, I'll have them set Ew. up one that I don't know the answers to. And we can do it together. And I can we can film it because it'll be mine. Okay. And yeah. we can go through it. <laughs> and then we can post it later. Uh, I'll just have, like, a, a warning to people that if you go to do this one, this is how it's done. Yeah. We could add, like, little uh, stickers onto the video, like, when I go blank, you see me blank, it'll be, like, like, <laughs> and Because I'll be, like... And we can do it so that we we have all the time in the world, because... <laughs> so, that yeah, removing the pressure, and then, like, if the first time there's no pressure, maybe I'd be more willing to do it. Because, like, oh, time... Games that have timers? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Like, I can't, like... I get so stressed out. There's a game that uh, my friend got, and it's like you're supposed to be dismantling a bomb or something. And there's an app. Yes, and I have like that tell, game. <laughs> and I can't. I get so. I'm like, can we just play it without the sounds, please? Oh, the like, sound. Yeah, no. I can't. I actually. The game is fun. You can set up the one I have. You can set up the, the timer on your phone. <laughs> so that yeah. It's not like eh, eh, like counting down. Yeah. I just was like, can we just play it without? Like, I just want to play it and not have any of the pressure. Yeah. Well, that's not how real bombs will be when you end up with one near you, so. I know. I'll blow up. <laughs> You're like, was it red or blue? <laughs> <laughs> then my brain will be all, red and blue makes purple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You die, <laughs> Wait, you die singing and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> or like, did you ever watch Space? I don't think so. It's with Simon Pegg, and uh, there's a character. I'm gonna. It's. I'm pretty sure his name is Tires. It's not Wheels. It's Tires. And whenever like there's a sound that's rhythmic because he's done like too many drugs and he goes to raves, it turns into like a rave for him. So like the beeping of like the cross, the crosswalk thing, and he's standing there like. You know, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> so I just kind of imagine if there's like a timer, I just like turn it into like a rave. I've only been to a silent, I guess it was a rave show, festival. Where people wear their headphones. Yeah. yeah. Those are so fun. <laughs> yeah. I went to a Psytrance. It was just like at a club in San Francisco, and there were a bunch of people wearing the headphones and stuff. They still had the music playing loud, mm-hmm. but I thought that was cool um, just because I I would be pretty happy just wearing these just to lower the like noise level. Yeah. Um, and That's I've been why, to a few raves like years ago. Yeah. But that was like I don't think I could do an indoor rave. 
my sensory stuff. Like, I can't have a bunch of people around me, especially if I were to take something. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I have never done except for shrooms and weed, so... Yeah, uh, natural. Girly. I went to a barn, a barn rave, but it was both doors were open, so it was That's like it, one yeah. big open. And I still stayed at the outer edge, and I just had my camera. I didn't. I don't do don't do drugs. I have done e, but I it was like one time and uh, in a controlled space rather than like a party. Mm-hmm. Space. But um, and it was phenomenal for my PTSD. But um, the uh, I just stood there and took pictures. Like did like. Um, long exposure pictures of people Ooh. playing with lights and I got some really cool ones so I want to see I would lo- I would do that I would like I would go to events just to take, take pictures because I love doing like candid action shots and stuff. yeah if I'm feeling better I'm supposed to go to a festival with my friend Jax hi Jax if you're listening uh, Hello. <laughs> because I want to see the artists that are there um, uh, Jax doesn't do a lot of stuff either just likes music and dancing so it'd be a good person to go with because neither of us will be crazy unless we get drugged so (laughs) yeah yeah I think like if it's if there I I think I would be willing to go to a festival if it's outdoors Mm -hmm. so I can like control like COVID exposure and then um and stay away from the loud and then have in out so Mm -hmm. I can go rest yeah I was thinking of taking my bus up there and then, so I'd have the fridge, water, whatever, the bed, and a, a lock. <laughs> yeah. And a tent still scares me. Uh, that yeah. way I feel a little safer. I have electricity and can go and relax there and then go back if I need, if I feel like I need to leave. I have that out and a place to go. And I don't. Like I said, I had done shrooms, and I didn't. They do nothing to me because I'm on SSRIs, <laughs> so I microdose them for PTSD, which does help. They but, make me depressed. Oh no! If I microdose them, like severely depressed. I like. I was like, oh, I want to try that, just to try the microdosing because the, yeah. the science is really interesting, and my brain was never responds to anything correctly, and it just went. I'm gonna make you sad, and I'm not mm-hmm. a. I don't get like sad very often so yeah that's that's not cool I didn't feel anything um I didn't feel any change in like mood or anything but my PTSD responses were less so I think it worked even if it's a placebo I don't care I'm out of it now um it's only legal where I got it (laughs) yeah and I want to do it again because I can tell the difference like being off of it um I ended up in the hospital twice, so yeah. <laughs> um, on it, yeah. I felt a ton better, and I don't think that there's, even, like I said, I don't even care if it's a placebo. I and there's science behind it. I don't think it was a placebo effect, but I tried to take enough to for it to do something, and nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, so interesting, <laughs> like the chemist, the chemistry that varies between people, and yeah, like um. So, for my PTSD stuff, um, what's helped me the most is Adderall. Which I've never tried. Yeah, it, like, because it relaxes me, um, and so when when stimuli stuff happens that would cause me to be jumpy or whatever, I just don't react to it. 
the same way. And like, you know, there is a shortage of the Adderall and I haven't been on it since like November. And it's like so frustrating because like my cat, he's so aggressive and it will like trigger it, you know? And I'll just be like, oh, come on, you know? <laughs> and I got like, I got like a year on Adderall and then, it, you know, so I like, come on shortage, you can, you can finish now, I'm ready. I don't understand why there's still a shortage of Adderall. It just, and some other medications too. Yeah. <sighs> Luckily, Logan's didn't have a shortage that he's on. There was like one month that he wasn't able to get one of his medications during COVID stuff. But, and then there was, there was another, there, there was two different medications at different times that he wasn't able to get for a month. And that was a bummer. <laughs> Cause yeah. you could definitely tell the difference. And luckily, they weren't any that had horrible side effects of not taking them. They were, like, PRN-type medications. But he definitely... He could see the difference. And when he can see it, you know that there's a problem. And going to school, he had a lot of issues at school during those months. I wish it was during the summer that it happened, but... Yeah, I, it's interesting because I have friends that are getting their meds. And we're all living in the same area, but I can't get mine, which makes me feel like I'm on a short list. Of, yeah. Because they get the meds, but they don't have enough for everybody. So I feel like I got added to a list of not getting so that they can prioritize the people who are getting it. Um, I don't know if that's a thing, but it, it sure feels it that makes, way. I've, well, it makes sense uh, that they would have a priority list of who would get medications it sucks that they have to have that but yeah <sighs> it's in it like months ago that it was supposed to be better and it's still not better so i don't do you I just call know. every month or are they gonna let you know when it's available yeah they'll let me know because whenever i call they just they say they don't know and that they'll let me know when they get it and i've tried like multiple pharmacies and, mm-hmm. you know they're like well you could try a different medication and i'm like yeah you call my psych <laughs> I need to get a new one. I need. A I new did one. try. I did try Vyvanse, um, and it didn't work for me at all. Like it, it. Um, I was really stressed out on it, and I didn't feel like doing anything. Like I literally looked at my phone all day, which is not. I'm not like that, you know. Um, and I was like, this is not working for me. And I, some people need because Vyvanse doesn't have the. Um, I can't remember the word, but the what the drug, what the am, am, amphetamines have, there's like the Vyvanse doesn't have that. It, it works slightly different. It still kind of hits the same receptors, but it, it doesn't. That's why it's not as addictive and it's an easier medication to get prescribed. Um, and some people with ADHD have been found to basically respond a lot better if they have that, that ingredient. So, like it's a small percentage but they there are people like myself that just do not benefit from white bands. Logan didn't do well on that either he that one in 10x he didn't do well on which I think it is heard of that one it's I think it's like five ants uh, it doesn't have a lot of the the same issues or or addictive qualities to it so they like to try it on kids first but it did nothing, so... Yeah. Yeah, but he's on a good regimen now. I'm trying to remember what the stimulant he's on is. It's not Adderall, it's something else. 
it's not Ritalin either, but it's something, and it's helping. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's, like, I mean, it's, it, like, literally makes me feel like a normal person, and the mm-hmm. thing is, is how did a medication that I only started taking when I was, you know, old, uh, make me feel normal in a way that I've never been? How did I know what normal felt like? Know, right? like that trips me out I like chase that thought sometimes and I'll just be like how did I know what normal felt like if I've never felt that way yeah but it, yeah I don't think I know what normal feels like yeah the closest that I ever felt the way that that um Adderall made me feel was when I was on my motorcycle and not it's not because it was scary or exciting I was never scared it's because the stimuli from riding and all of the different layers of things that you have to think about, plus like the adrenaline, made me feel really relaxed because I was finally getting the stimuli. Because I basically am suffering from lack of stimulation all the time, mm-hmm. um, or understimulation, and then I have I have a dopamine deficiency because that's a big part of the ADHD. Dopamine doesn't get to the receptors in the brain the way that it's supposed to, um, and the meds help with that. So. Um, you know, it's really hard to be motivated or find joy in things if you're not getting the dopamine. Yeah. Uh, I wonder sometimes if I have ADHD. Yeah, it's very possible. It's very common. Because I get, like, hyper fixated on things or I can't focus on anything. And there's no in-between. And I have a real, like, I'll shut down completely if I can't focus on something and then do nothing when I have so many things to do do. and then I get into like these those cycles of either hyper fixating on one thing that I'm doing and like ignoring everything else or just letting everything go and lately I've just been letting everything go (laughs) (laughs) and on that depressing note we are just going to say goodbye. Thank you for joining us again for another week and coming to our crow's nest. Again, if you want to join the Patreon to help support us, the link will be in the bio. And if you have any stories or suggestions for this segment or my other segment, the email address will also be in the bio. And with that said, thank you so much for being here. Just listening helps us. And I hope to see you next week on Frightening Frauen.